Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in today. We've got two guests today, and they're both from the Lomakazi Restoration Project. Uh, if you want to check out their website, it's really great. You can check it out and follow along while we talk to them. It's lomakatsi.org, L-O-M-A-K-A-T-S-I.org. Today, we're going to be joined by Marco Bay, their founder and executive director, and Belinda Brown, who works with their tribal um, with their tribal uh, partnership program. And I'm really excited to have them on today because they just won a big prize. Uh, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the work that they do. We're going to start with Marco, the founder and executive director. Welcome to Go Green Radio, Marco. It's great to have you on. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Well, a couple of weeks ago, the Northeast United States uh, kind of caught up with California. They experienced some very poor air quality as a result of wildfires in Canada. And there's every reason to believe that large wildfires will become more prevalent as climate change intensifies. Your organization is using fire to fight fire. Tell our listeners about the Lomakazi Restoration Project's prescribed fire program. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, I actually was just um, in North Carolina last week, um, and I was experiencing that smoke uh, all the way down uh, into North Carolina from those fires in Alberta. So we are experiencing uh, mega fires like we've never seen. We we know on the West Coast we've experienced those, especially the last five years with uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, inundated in smoke all the way to where we operate out of southwestern Oregon and northeastern California. Uh, yeah. The town that our office is, is based in um, had the Almeida fire a couple years ago that burned up 2,500 homes. Um, we were inundated in smoke for seven weeks. So in order to get these forests into a resilient state, because historically these are fire-adapted systems, meaning that they evolved and developed with fire, and that fire is both lightning but carefully applied intensive tribal burning indigenous fire to manage the landscape for cultural resources, um, eco-cultural resources, and also to, to, to care for the landscape. So what we need to do and what we've been doing across thousands of acres for nearly three decades is go in and carefully ecologically thin these forests that have grown very dense due to the exclusion of fire and also previous management, heavy-handed logging, we have to do a lot of work before we can get fire back in these systems that are, haven't seen fire in 100 to 150 years. And these are forests that experience fire um, anywhere from th- every three to, to 10 years, uh, both tribal fire and lightning fire. So they're frequent fire systems. They depend on fire. But now that they've grown dense, when fire comes to these forests, they burn at high severity, what we call a stand-replacing fire. So through our our prescribed fire program, and this is in a partnership with our tribal partners, with federal and state agencies, uh, with other non-government organizations. After we've done that heavy lift of thinning, ecologically-based thinning, removing small trees and, uh, and vegetation, and sometimes trees that can go to a mill and generate revenue to be put back into more restorative work, then we can come in and we can put fire on the ground. 
there's a lot of steps before we can get to that place of just applying fire. Yeah, a lot so of steps and a lot of hard work. Yep. And we're going to talk about yep. that in, in more detail in just a little bit. I want to bring on Belinda Brown. Belinda is the Tribal Partnerships Director for Loma Katsi. And Belinda, I want to ask you, I, I saw a video on YouTube about the Loma Katsi Restoration Project, and I saw you discuss how fire is medicine for the land. Help us understand the Aboriginal wisdom and the ancient use of fire employed by Native tribes in the Northwest area of the U.S. Yes, and... I'm Belinda Brown, the Tribal Partnerships Director with Lomakasi Restoration Project and a member of the Co-Selecta Band of the Ajimawi Atsuge Nation, otherwise known as the Pitt River Tribe. And for time a memorial for our people, the Aboriginal people whose heartland this is, we use fire as a land management tool. Mm-hmm. So fire is medicine for the land, um, our first foods is our first medicine uh, for our health, for our body, and that is something that we are departed from. When Marco talks about these forests are departed from health, uh, many times we are debunking the John Muir myth of Mm -hmm. this was a wilderness. So America was not a wilderness. America, what we call it today, was a very well-managed landscape, the forest and the land was our home. It was our grocery store. It was our Home Depot. It was our pharmacy, our church. So very well managed by the caretakers, the tenders of the land, which was our first people. And our people now are coming back into vogue, trending. It's popular Mm -hmm. uh, for our ways to be included, which are now called indigenous traditional ecological knowledge. Mm -hmm. So Western science is marrying with our indigenous traditional ecological knowledge. And as I've shared many times, our people get the I told you so award of how (laughs) to live in harmony and balance with the land and with each other and tend to taking care of the beings that have no voice. And so many times today, our people are the voice for the fish, for the birds, for the wildlife that depend on these forests and rangelands and meadows and streams and rivers and lakes for their life and subsistence, as we did. So the departure from uh, the land, the people, and the disconnect from the land is what's caused a lot of our imbalance today. And what we're doing with our youth programs, with our workforce programs, with tribes, with agencies and NGOs is bringing everybody back together. FIRE is bringing us together again culturally and spiritually so that we can address these issues. And one of the things that we share is everybody is indigenous to some piece of the globe, a part of the globe uh, you are indigenous to. So no matter what color earth suit that you're wearing, you have a commission and a responsibility to care for the earth and to help in this uh, crisis that we're in, in mm-hmm. uh, environmental so we want said, to work Linda. together and bring uh, solutions and marry Western science and iTech. 
Beautifully said, Belinda. Thank you for that perspective. You know, Marco, your crews work in parts of Oregon and California, and there's quite a wide variety of geography and conditions in that territory. Talk to us a little bit about how you train and prepare your crews to successfully execute prescribed burns under such diverse circumstances. Yeah, so uh, pres- prescribed burning is one ingredient to, to something quite larger. So the training... Um, you know, we work from, you know, mixed conifer forests to uh, sage step systems, like Belinda mentioned, riverine systems. There's many different um, ecological conditions that we're, we're addressing um, impacts to those systems through exclusion of fire. So the training really uh, starts with a technical element. So it's not just boots on the ground with a drip torch. It's also forest inventory work through an extensive training program that uh, spans about a year. And crew members come into that program and they receive certifications, um, National Wildfire Coordinating Group certifications. So if you're going to apply fire, you need to know how to manage that fire because prescribed fire can become a wildfire. It's not what we want. Well, you have to be trained in, in how to suppress that fire if needed. So those are some of the certifications that are required. And then different certifications um, for the discipline, cultural monitoring certification. So they go through an intensive cert program, but it's hands-on-the-land, experiential learning in addition to classroom time. So we're just finishing up a uh, nine-month program with an intertribal workforce uh, that began in October. It ends June 30th. And um, that crew has done several thousand acres of burning. They, have, they were warranted the opportunity. And then the training is also layered in with other amazing models, like the prescribed fire training exchange that was kicked off by the Nature Conservancy some years ago. So we had a prescribed fire training exchange here in the Rogue Basin where um, it's interagency, it's interorganizational, and there's a, there's a fire team, there's overhead there's uh, burn bosses, and the crews get to layer into those programs and actually go apply fire and get comfortable with it. That crew where I'm talking about was ages 18 to 26. Now they could take some of these basic skills back to their tribal homelands, different career opportunities. So that's um, kind of a snapshot in, in how we're, we structure that program. That is fantastic, Marco. Belinda, when... You know, your crews are out doing prescribed burns or other work on native lands. What kind of relationship and partnership agreements do you need in order to successfully work with the tribes? A lot of times the tribes invite us because they hear about us and just word of mouth, we're invited. And so with the relationships that we build, everything is built on trust. Uh, with these master stewardship agreements that we use with the Forest Service, this agreement that we have, these agreements are for a 10-year period of time. So when we get invited uh, to a tribe and they want help restoring their oaks or they want help restoring a stream or uh, thinning juniper, how, whatever it is that we're asked to do, that's how the relationship starts building. Sometimes we need a letter of support. Uh, for different grant funding that we might be going for to leverage funding for a project or for a particular area that the tribe wants treated. Um, we get letters of support. Sometimes we need a resolution. 
uh, to work in intergovernmental affairs coordination. So it's project by project basis and tribe by tribe basis on what their need is. And I can't emphasize enough the need to listen to the elders, to the tribal community, to the tribal leaders, so that we understand what their need is and we enhance and complement what is already there, building on the assets of the tribe, continuing to have that community and that tribal Mm -hmm. leadership lead the innovation of that project. So project by project basis based on the need. Absolutely. Oh, this is, I'm so glad to have you both on the show. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have so much more to talk about with Marco and Belinda. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us today. And if you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. 
Today, we're talking about a nonprofit organization called the Lomakatsky Restoration Project, and they are creating climate-resilient communities in a variety of different ways. They have several different programs that we're going to be talking about today, and, and I am really excited to have them on. As a refresher, our guests are Marco Bay, and he is the founder and executive director of the Lomakatsky Restoration Project, and we have Belinda Brown who is the head of their tribal partnerships director. Marco, let's go to you. Besides the prescribed fire program, Lomakatsi has five other forest and riparian watershed restoration programs. Talk to us about these programs. Sure, thank you. Um, so, you know, it's great that we uh, focused on prescribed fire in the first segment because the other programs lead to that process of prescribed burning. Um, we have our restoration forestry program, our oak habitat restoration program, our aquatic habitat program, and our ecological uh, monitoring program. So in an effort to move the needle on these forests becoming more resilient, we have to do some active stewardship, and that invo oftentimes involves engaging the community um, and setting up these projects, landscape-scale projects. And to, to share a little context, um, on the on the geography where we work. So just the Rogue Basin, one of our geographies, because we work across many, we have a 4.6 million acre area, and 1.1 million of those acres are highly departed, ecologically departed due to fire exclusion and past management. So in order to treat uh, that large of a landscape, we need to plan strategically. So we're using the Western science model, planning, and then we're incorporating that indigenous traditional ecological knowledge Belinda talked about, and we manage that through the frame of these programs. Our restoration forestry program focuses on the work you need to do to set the stage for getting good fire back on the ground. So that will involve removing some commercial trees. We care for the large old trees and the diversity of species. So our technical team, our forest ecologists, our foresters, our technicians will go on the ground and oftentimes for several years plan a project with our federal, tribal, state, and other NGO partners. And that program, the fruits of that program are our resilient landscape after we implement the actions. So oak habitats are also very important to us. Even though they're part of a terrestrial system, we're losing a lot of our oak habitats. We know um, there's 4% left in the Willamette Valley here in Oregon. And really across California and Oregon, there's been a huge decline in, in oak systems due to fire exclusion. And oaks provide a lot of habitat for a variety of species. So we've, we've established this oak program, and we've treated thousands of acres to restore oak habitats. And this is actually very important to tribal communities, oak habitats, oak systems, acorns, and the associated plants with that. And then our aquatic program, we focus on uh, stream restoration, doing things in the stream that will benefit for uh, anadromous fish like coho and chinook salmon. Uh, st stream systems are, are impacted. There's, been, there's a lot of detail I can go into that, but mm -hmm. that focuses on um, going in the stream and uh, producing structures that will benefit fish, planting trees and, and shrubs to shade the stream to benefit salmon because if the temperatures get too high, then we, we have uh, impacts to those species. So, and then our ecological monitoring program, how are we doing so that program is the, so, answers the questions of so what. 
So our monitoring team will set up long-term multi-party monitoring and evaluate our treatments. We call that adaptive management. We're still learning. Even though we have good science and we have traditional knowledge that really, really is the core of how these landscapes were prior to colonization, we call those reference systems, we've never experienced this changing climate the way we have and the departure. So we have to adapt our treatments. That's where our ecological monitoring program, it's science delivery with observation and quantitative and qualitative assessments to then come back and inform our restoration forestry actions, oak actions, aquatic actions. So that's kind of the comprehensive restoration program approach. And then we have Lomakatsi Ecological Services, which is a um, for-profit subsidiary of our nonprofit, and that's our fire suppression team. Although we, we don't want to suppress fire, that's not the practice. We want to allow fire to do its thing. Oftentimes, we have to come in and protect communities. So we have a fire management team. We have fire crews, and many of those members are tribal members within those teams. So that's a wow. quick snapshot on those programs. Yeah. Well, and, and I want to encourage our listeners to get out on your website to check out more because, I, I mean, to say that that was a snapshot is an understatement. You have so much and so many great programs going on. Uh, just as a reminder to our listeners, please get out on their website. It's lomakatsi.org, and that's L-O-M-A-K-A-T-S-I.org. Belinda, I would love to have you talk to us about some of the key aspects of the Loma Katsi Restoration Project's Tribal Partnership Program. Yes. Since Loma Katsi's inception 28 years ago, uh, we've been including tribes and uh, taking, uh, listening to the elders and including that traditional ecological knowledge into our programs. And I would share that the trust in those relationships and our ability to um, work with tribes has is, is been built over those 28 years of us traveling to the communities, uh, being invited, listening, doing work and volunteering outside of the work hours. Uh, recently, we had uh, Indigenous Traditional Ecological Knowledge Day with the Fort Bidwell Indian Community Council in collaboration with the University of Utah, a local school district foundation where we got a little $2,000 grant, and the community where we had 40 children come out, K through 12, and participate in root digging, the first foods, uh, yampa. Uh, they call it in that language. It's the wild carrot, the paradiridia, and the Latin, and three different words for it in the area that we were in from uh, three different tribal languages, Yampa, Apaz, and Baja. So it's those type of activities that help us uh, build those relationships in the community and the intergenerational and the multicultural activities that and events like the Tribal Summit that we're going to have in November, the 14th, 15th, and 16th of November in Sun River, Oregon, where all the tribes of Oregon and the adjoining tribes in Nevada, Idaho, Washington, and California who have ancestral geography in Oregon will be brought together to share 
all these tools of the trade and how to work better together in these large landscape initiatives. So we're constantly doing the outreach and engagement, really depend upon our communication team to tell our success stories and to share the knowledge, or if we're putting smoke on the ground, uh, advising the public that we're putting smoke on the ground, and it's a good thing because it's helping us reduce fuels so we won't have a wildfire. So I'd have to say communication and engagement and that outreach and uh, education sharing the knowledge and providing uh, spaces where we can gain understanding and those peer-to-peer learning environments are really important. So everything we do is in that outdoor classroom, even administratively, when Lomakasi brings that relevant technical assistance to tribes and to communities, that we share that in in a good way. So we have that outward-facing community engagement with the tribes and with the local communities that we work with. So that's important, and and we can't let down on that engagement. In intergovernmental affairs coordination, it's really knowing the tribal governance models and how tribes govern themselves, understanding the laws, the agreements uh, that the tribes need to work with, with the federal government, with the state government, and with the local governments. So there's been barriers and challenges in overcoming uh, the concept of co-management and shared stewardship. However, again, I will say that's trending, so it's popular now. So we're moving in a good realm right now with tribes, tribal communities, tribal nations coming to the table with a shared stewardship and co-management ideas that are being accepted and integrated into these projects that we're doing. We also incubate businesses in the tribal communities and in in our Latino communities, and they're getting awarded um, millions of dollars worth of work. So incubation of businesses along with training the workforce is, is really important. That's wonderful, Belinda. Um, Marco, in a, a couple minutes, uh, talk to us about the Tribal Youth Ecological Forest Training Program. This is an amazing model. The, the Tribal Ecological Forestry Program um, really began in early 2000s, but has evolved into a, a pretty comprehensive program. Uh, at this point, we, we are, like I mentioned earlier, we are concluding a nine-month program um, of that tribal ecological forestry program. So it's an intertribal program because we're working with different tribes throughout the geography. And these are very rural um, or, or frontier-based communities, as Belinda refers to them as. So that program um, takes youth from those tribal communities, ages 18 to 26, um, hires those youth onto our crews. And what's really unique about the program is these projects are getting layered into our adult workforce where they get to interface with other forestry professionals in our team, both on-the-ground crews through uh, different applications of fire, different restoration approaches and treatments to our technical team. And then they also get to interact with tribal elders from the community that we work. So we're working across federal, tribal trust, and private lands. And all of those lands are ancestral lands, regardless of whose name is on it at this point. Mm -hmm. And there's that co-management piece, but all of these projects integrate that workforce program. They get to go on the ground and implement mm-hmm. projects in a meaningful in a meaningful way, and they get certifications, and they get paid to do it. That's and then we fantastic. are committed to helping them launch into a natural resource career pathway 
most of this crew that we've just trained are going to stay within Lomakatsi because we, we're scaling up our work. But there's opportunities for them to go work for their tribe, to go work that for federal fantastic, agencies. That is fantastic, Marco. So it's also what a, a pathway out of poverty. What an amazing program. Absolutely. What an amazing program. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have much, much more with Marco and Belinda. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. listening to go green radio with your host jill buck jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show so call us toll free at 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 write to us too. save some trees and send us an email to go green radio at gmail.com that's go green radio at gmail.com now back to go green radio with your host jill buck Welcome back to Go Green Radio. If you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guests today are from the Lomakatsi Restoration Project. We've got the founder and executive director, Marco Bay, on with us. And we have Belinda Brown, who's in charge of their tribal partnerships programs. Belinda, I'm going to start with you this segment. Um, what are some of the greatest benefits that tribes get from partnering with the Lomakatsi Restoration Project? Well, I'm a firm believer in teamwork making the dream work. And Mm -hmm. so building on the assets of the tribe and really complementing the programs that they have and then being able to uh, integrate our best practices. And the youth workforce development program, uh, we kind of agree, is the crown jewel of Lomakatsi. So we integrate best practices and try to build on assets. So the asset-based community development or the positive youth development in, for our youth is really important. Um, we're battling a, a lot of addiction to technology um, besides addiction to everything else and nature uh, deficit disorder in youth. And so whenever we connect the youth back to the land, hands on the land, the healing of the land is also the healing of our people. So one of the missions I've had in a, in a past life was healing of the nations for the hearts of the people. 
Mm-hmm. And I believe that our people, the first best stewards of the land, do have a lot of those answers in the way that they lived in community, multi-generationally, and with the extended families that they had, and being able to gather and hunt for their first foods and subsistence is really important. And the elders will tell us if that we live in the natural rhythms of the earth, sea, and heavens, and eat what is grown and gathered in our environment, that we are going to be healthier and happier people. And some of the issues that we see today in our communities, again, is that departure from that natural, traditional, healthy lifestyle where we eat the natural foods and where we live in better harmony with our environment. So a big benefit to especially getting our youth out there is overcoming some of the colonization where we are battling with youth suicide, no hope, uh, drug and alcohol addiction, domestic violence is really helping these youth overcome those challenges. They start believing in themselves. They're getting opportunities to build skills. They're getting recognition for those skills that they're building. And pretty soon they're able to run their own tribal departments. So the heart of our program really is to build up that labor pool and labor workforce so that the tribes can do this work themselves or continue working with us as a partner, as a team member, and being able to pull together the tribes of our region so that we can all help each other out. So this peer-to-peer learning network and sharing the tools of the trade with agencies, NGOs, and tribes in these regions is really, really important. We're getting the success stories because of the leverage of our assets together. Belinda, when you speak about this stuff, my heart just sings uh, you know just hearing the, you know your commitment and passion and and all of the focus on healing um, this youthful generation this young generation uh, of of wonderful assets to our community and to our you know our 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 tribe um, as it is these days um, it's just beautiful I thank you so much for your perspective. Uh, Marco, back to you. You have four education programs that are part of Lomakatsi, um, and I'd love to give you a chance to tell us about each of these programs. Sure. Thank you. So our, our community outreach and education program uh, addresses and engages each unique community. In the, in the tribal context, we can bring relevant technical assistance to tribes with uh, workforce capacity as tribes um, – reach out to us and express their needs. We engage the community and get input on what what does the community need? How can we be helpful? We can bring programmatic support, administrative support, workforce development into that uh, community outreach and education. And in forest-based communities, both tribal and non-tribal, we have to do a lot of engagement. People care about the land. They care about what actions happen on the land. So there's a lot of community education by bringing folks on the ground, showing them what a prescribed burn looks like, explaining to them why we cut certain trees, why we did what we did, and then receiving meaningful input to to, uh, address a change in our operations if inputted by the community. So that community outreach and education covers all of our different restoration actions on the ground. And then our ecological workforce training program is adults. So, you know, the youth program we've been speaking about is ages 18 to 26, but we also have a, 
uh, adult, that's young adults. We have an adult workforce program that helps communities get up to speed on the skill sets needed. Those can be technical skills. Those, those can be administrative skills. Those can be on-the-ground restoration labor skills. So that program is inserted into different communities. And then we have spoken about our youth ecological forestry training and employment program, which uh, we just launched uh, a program last night. This will be high school age young young kids, young uh, youth that will go on the ground ages 14 to to 18 in high school age, and they'll get their first um, introduction to ecological restoration. They'll meet tribal community elders. They'll meet professionals. So really, the models are replicated and retrofit for different ages. And then our restoration ecology education program is K through 12. So this is where young, uh, younger um, students get on the ground. They actually adopt long-term restoration sites. So Lomakatsi layers all of this, these education programs into large landscape projects that we have for, for 10 to 20-year agreements. So we're looking at large projects, long-term, long-term stewardship, and then those education programs are laid into the actual work we're doing on the ground with our science teams, our tribal partners, and our restoration practitioners. It's fantastic, Marco. And and the organization of the various programs that you have and, and the focus that it, all of these programs lead to the same mission, which is the, the restoration projects um, and the, the various ways that you bring people from multiple generations into that into that realm. It's just amazing. Um, I, I, Marco, let's let's keep talking about some of the successes that your organization has had with aquatic and riparian habitat restoration. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I could pick a couple of example projects because there's, there's many, and mm-hmm. we do get to work with other um, aquatic non-government organizations that are doing amazing work. So we, we work in collaborative space with a lot of other partners, but our role typically is to provide that implementation capacity in those settings. In the past, we used to do a lot of grow out of different a variety of species, trees, shrubs, herbaceous understory, plants, to come back to riparian areas and do um, revegetation projects. So we have one project that uh, is, is on my mind today. It's the Hat Creek um, Ecocultural Riparian Project. And this was in North. Uh, Northern California in Shasta County, where we worked along Hat Creek, a, a red band trout bearing stream, and we developed the first riparian planting plan with input from tribal community elders, actually from the Ilmawi band of the Pitt River tribe. And in addition to thinking about the, the plants that are needed for salmon, we also integrated uh, cultural plants, basket plants, uh, uh, berries, foods, so first food plants. So the, the edibles, the medicinals into that riparian project. We then worked with our partner, California Trout, who um, uh, engaged us for this project and the Pitt River Tribe, where they helicoptered in logs into the banks of the streams to create resting areas for spawning. So those are some of the types of riparian projects that we're engaged in. And the um, other aquatic, aquatic work, uh, one project comes to mind in the Umpqua, uh, National Forest up in the uh, Umpqua watershed. So there's this triple bottom line piece of ecological, social, and economic. We had um, so a, a pilot who was a Vietnam veteran who had precision uh, ability to lay large logs into a salmon-bearing stream that hadn't seen salmon in 50 years. 
and the sha- salmon began to show up after we built these structures. Oh, so these are the types of, of projects, both engineering, engagement with the community, riparian planting, involving professional teams, youth, engineers, veterans, tribes. It's a holistic community approach to um, scaling up this aquatic habitat work. Our riverine systems and our stream systems need a lot of help, but a big part of that is that upland work as well. When we have high severity fires, we have sedimentation, we have erosion. Another project was post-Almeida fire. We had a huge fire here in the Rogue Basin, and right out of fire season, our crews came off a wildland fire, uh, 95 days of fire, and they were called by the Office of Emergency Management in riparian areas that burned all the cover. So we're there doing erosion control work, laying wattles, and then coming back with an eco-cultural riparian planting plan that's going to take years. So um, mm-hmm. this work doesn't end. It's not a one-shot deal. It's not a one-fix. It's long-term ecological stewardship and maintenance, and that's how we um, engage on our aquatic projects. Amazing. Thanks, Marco. Belinda, I know that we've talked a lot about what uh, you, know, what you do with youth, um, but I want to ask you a more personal question. What are you most proud of in your work with the Lomakatsi Restoration Project? Absolutely the youth. That's what rolls me out of bed, and that's why I'll keep coming back to that. I'm um, nearing the end of my career, 30 years of working in Indian country in Alaska, Oregon, California. My background is a prevention specialist. I've worked in health and human services, so a lot of that positive youth development and uh, family services and building strong families and strong communities is, is my background. So understanding that people need jobs, family wage jobs, jobs where they can have retirement. And that's the other thing for Lomakasi is a, a lot of our Latino workforce and tribal workforce, they're year-round workers. So this isn't just seasonal. Many of these organizations, it's just a seasonal workforce, or even with the agency, you have seasonal firefighters. So for Lomakasi, it's year-round work. We do need to travel, uh, helping build these programs in these communities and, and getting the youth employed. Last night we had 20 youth and their parents. So, again, getting youth out and engaging youth and employing youth also gets the parents out. So you have an opportunity mm. to educate the parents. You have an opportunity to educate agencies. Absolutely. And yes, well so said, the knowledge Linda. It, it, it gets, it, it's a community. Absolutely. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but we do have to take a quick commercial break, but we will be right back. More Go Green Radio right after this. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. We are talking about the Lomakatsi Restoration Project, a great nonprofit, so worthy, so valuable. Um, I want you guys to check out their website. It's lomakatsi.org, L-O-M-A-K-A-T-S-I.org. There's so much that they're doing, and it's so valuable. Marco, is your model something that can be replicated elsewhere? I mean, are you working with people in other parts of the country to help them succeed the way that you have? Yeah, thank you for that question. That's uh, right before this radio show. We were um, in a conversation with some corporate partners and tribal partners and uh, consultants just about that. And we're, we're going to actually be on another call later today with uh, the Washington, D.C. office of one of our federal partners to discuss that scaling. So we do have uh, a model that we feel is, can be replicated. Um, we are currently working you know, in, in throughout Oregon and Northern California. In many counties across multiple national forests, different tribal ancestral territories, and we are being requested to scale this model up. It does work, and it has to be led by the community. We've been invited to the Southwest. We've been invited to Alaska, but it's like anything. You have to have a solid business plan. You have to know that you can bolster that capacity. But we have been scaling uh, our staffing our, our ability to um, bring this model to other places as requested. And it doesn't look the same everywhere because the needs of each community is unique and different, both tribal and non-tribal. But, yes, we, um, we are also regularly providing uh, support and technical assistance and advice to folks in other parts of the country. This model can be replicated across the nation. And uh, if we'll be the ones to do that or we'll develop a kit or we'll do some of it, that's yet to be seen. Um, but we want to support this type of holistic, ecological, social, um, economic, green, restorative thinking uh, across the nation if we can, and really across the world, like we all want that globally. Absolutely. So we are part of a global network. We are part of a national network, and we, we do hope to um, replicate this model. It is replicable. That is that is amazing, Marco, and congratulations, and thank goodness, because the more that I hear about what you're doing, how you're doing it, and who you're doing it with, the more I just think, wow, I wish this could be everywhere. So I'm so happy to hear that that you have those kinds of partnerships and plans uh, that could help this, this model scale to other places. Belinda, I'm going to go to you because there's so much going on with your organization. I want you to tell our listeners how they can get involved, how they can support you. 
um, give us some tips that, that our listeners can take to, to get involved with you guys. Yes, well, thank you for that. And I believe that you have given those tips with uh, Lomakotsi.org. So uh, please go to our website, www.lomakotsi.org, and find out more about us if you'd like to support us. Of course, donations are always uh, good to receive, and, and we'll put them to good use. And I think that's one of the things that uh, Lomakotsi has been able to do is actually put money to work, and that's one of the things that I share. A lot of folks, um, you know, are still wondering what to do or how to do it, and we do have that replicable model. And across every discipline, best practices, even in collaboration, having to work together with people that don't necessarily see eye to eye, you have a collaborative uh, restoration and you have collaborative uh, discipline where people learn how to communicate together and work together like that. So I think all those best practices with our youth program, the incident command system, all the certifications that they get, you look at how your community could use this program, utilize this program, bringing people together, starting to talk about maybe a stream that they want restored, uh, maybe a park place in an urban setting that needs to be restored, and then how to put those best practices to work, how to train people, how to educate people, provide knowledge and understanding, and a little, a little bit of the elder's wisdom of how to take care of our land and take care of each other. So learn about us, educate yourself, reach out to youth, uh, build on the assets of your own community, see what you'd like to do for a project, and then begin that project. And it could just be as simple as a community garden because foods are our first medicine. And those are the type of activities. Uh, community within the word is unity, so I really encourage everybody to reach out and talk to your neighbor and begin the conversations that start to build trust and relationships back into our, our communities, our schools, our colleges, and every entity that can provide that knowledge to us. So uh, being able to be a family, a strong family again, and I always tell people the beast that we're wrestling for the hearts of our children and youth is technology. Mm-hmm. So lay down the technology, um, get up and get outside and, and look around in our air and our water and our fire and our earth are those sacred elements that we are all made of and that it's our commission to take care of. Melinda, I wish that we were in the same studio right now because I want to give you the biggest hug. (laughs) I just, when you speak and the way that you convey this message is so beautiful and just speaks to my heart. Um, Thank you so much for that. Marco, recently your organization won the EDGE grand prize of $20,000. Tell us about that prize program and what specific project or program you won the award for. Yeah, we're very grateful for the edge, the edge prize of $20,000 and uh, to the Salmon Nation and to the whole network of people thinking holistically. So um, that $20,000 will go into a project we've been implementing and operating for the last three years called the Tiktokria uh, Habitat Restoration Project. This is a 4,000-acre, just about a 4,000-acre project on the Modoc National Forest. It's actually within uh, Belinda's uh, band area, the co-selector band of the Pitt River Tribe, 
which Forest Service administered lands and what the project is goals are is to restore um, ponderosa pine mixed conifer forests that are highly departed. But in order for us to do that, we are working with the Forest Service on what we call an A to Z project. So I won't get into all the compliance and the National Environmental Policy Act stuff, but we have mm-hmm. to do the survey work. We have to do all of the assessment work, and then we're going to implement through a stewardship agreement. So these are long-term agreements we establish with tribes and agencies to implement a restorative project. And the dollars will help leverage federal money that we've received and some state investment and will support the 20000 from Edge Prize is, is a real critical contribution that will support um, a tribal workforce development initiative in what we call cultural and heritage surveys. So tribal members will go on the ground. And we have to survey any area we're going to work in on federal ground. We have to survey that area for cultural and heritage um, resources. And this will enable the tribal community to do that work, to go out and uh, work with archaeologists and provide a training program, but also move the needle on getting us closer to implementing a very important project in a really important geography within a tribal ancestral territory that we really care about. That is fantastic. We have about a minute left in the show, Marco. What final parting thoughts would you like to leave with our listeners? Well, first off, thank you very much for the opportunity to share. Uh, Thank you to my colleague, Belinda Brown. Thank you to the Edge Prize um, and the Salmon Nation for um, their support. And um, these projects are are moving forward, and we're one of many uh, organizations throughout uh, the country and the world trying to put boots on the ground, hands on the land, and really our mission is to restore ecosystems and the sustainability of communities, cultures, and economies. That triple bottom line is so important, and we have to move forward and take care of our land and take care of the people. People in place are key. So thank you for this opportunity to share. It was my pleasure, Marco. My pleasure, Belinda. Uh, Just loved having you all on. And I'm going to give us one more chance. Listeners, please go out to lomakatsi.org, L-O-M-A-K-A-T-S-I.org, and click on Donate Now. Let's do it. Let's get some support going um, to these folks. They are amazing. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in. We'll be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.